It's good to be together on a Wednesday night. Don't stand just yet, but you can turn your Bible to Psalm chapter 24, and we'll look at verse um, 3 through 5. I don't know if you noticed last night, if you happened to look up about the sunset um, last night, we had an absolutely awesome sunset here in Tulsa. We were headed to meet my dad for dinner last night, and he called and said, have you noticed the sunset? And I thought, well, how can you miss it? And um, we were driving, and every time we'd go over an overpass, you're kind of a little bit elevated and get a little bit of a, more of a view of it. And it was just absolutely, the sky was on fire. And that's something we um, get to enjoy in Oklahoma a lot. It's a special blessing. You know, the Christian life many times is compared in Scripture to a fight. And Paul makes that clear. He, he also compares it to a race. But the psalmist David in this passage compares a Christian life to an ascent or a climb. And um, tonight we'll just take a few minutes for a devotional thought in his book, Mark Atterbury, um, titled this passage where he discusses the climb of your life. And he, he, tonight we'll just um, look at a few thoughts. And I titled the message, What of You? Talking about this climb um, that is our Christian life. And you know, every year um, we've, we've talked um, on Sunday just about some thoughts that would really help us. And in, in viewing our Christian life as a climb really is a challenge we ought to carry um, with us throughout the year. So go ahead and stand if, with me if you would, if you found your place there in Psalm 24. And we'll read verse 3 to 5. Titled the message, What of You? And um, last night we had an amazing view of a sunset, God's creation. Um, but tonight I want to look at the spiritual view um, that God wants each of us to have and that we ought to anticipate that far exceeds the beauty of any sunset we could ever imagine. Psalm chapter 24, verse 3, it says, Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who shall stand in its holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive the blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Let's look to the Lord in prayer this evening as we begin. Lord, I thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you for the psalmist David and the picture he, he draws for us of this ascent. Lord, where we can witness your beauty. We can witness you in a very special way through the relationship, Lord, that you've granted each of us that's unique. Lord, I pray that tonight we just receive this challenge. Lord, that you challenge our hearts. Lord, help us to grow in our love for you and our desire to walk with you. And I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. You can have a seat. Hell, many of us um, were made even more acutely aware of the dangers of sports because the events this past Monday night during Monday night football. If you were watching or, or close to the news, you heard about DeMar Hamlin who um, tackled a receiver and um, went into cardiac arrest and is in ICU tonight recovering um, from the effects and the dangers of interacting in sports. Sports are dangerous and, and we understand that. But you know, of, the, of all the sports and all the activities, mountain climbing far exceeds the dangers of, of really any other sport. You take, for instance, K2, the second tallest peak in the world, considered by many the most difficult peak to ascend. Just looking at some pictures online, it's just amazing to think um, that someone would tackle that ascent. You know, you look at it in a picture online, and it would be the same way if you did in person. Um, it looks pretty. Um, it, it can look inviting, I'm sure, in some ways. There, in our mind, we could picture, well, you know, I could probably I mean, just walk right up there to the top. 
But then you start looking at more pictures and you see people climbing in pictures that are looking down and, and you begin to see how intense um, this ascent would be and what it takes out of the people who attempt it. One climber, it takes the life of one climber for every four that summit that mountain successfully. Everest, the tallest peak, claims the life of one in 10 individuals that make the summit. Uh, that's an unbelievable risk for an activity um, such as climbing. Because climbing is so dangerous, it's incredibly important to have a clear mind. Just one single mistake can lead to a horrible death. In 1998, Chris Huyman, he was an experienced climber and a guide to Alaska's Denali National Park in Mount McKinley. As he was guiding this trip, he saw a member of his party slip and fall, and this person struggled to get up. Well, Chris, someone that had summited this peak three times, foolishly unhooked his rope and turned to help the man to his feet. The blink of an eye slipped and fell to his death, leaving his companion staring in horror. As Christians tonight, if we're going to ascend spiritually, if we're going to grow discontent with the status quo, if we desire as Christians more from our walk with the Lord, if we want to view His goodness more clearly, then we need to think clearly. It's important. Our thoughts are incredibly important. In 1 Peter 5, verse 8, Peter says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil is a roaring lion walking about, seeking whom he may devour. Um, there's a lot that God has for us, but Satan opposes us at every single turn. There's not a single part of the Christian life that's rewarding, where we'll receive a blessing, that also we won't encounter difficulty and challenges. It's important um, how we view our Christian life. If we're going to tackle the summit, the hill of God that David talked about here, there's some thoughts we should take with us and things we should consider. First of all, we need to think clearly about the path we'll follow. You know, you think about it, when you go on a hike, you've been on a hike, I'm sure most people here, we often look for a trail. And when we, if we, we might um, hear about a hike, we might review, re read reviews on the hike, we might have seen maps of the hike. When we get there, we're going to look for markers. And some trails are marked more clearly than others, but we're going to pick a path. You know, you might have a path that's going to take you there. You're going to reach the destination. You're going to reach your goal um, because you followed a clearly marked path. But there are other paths we can take that lead to dead ends. Um, we go to snow camp every year, and um, on occasion, um, in my younger years, in my not-too-distant past, I've attempted to hike um, to the top of Horn Peak. And I remember years where I've taken the wrong trail and turned around and headed back. You go so far, you've used so much of your time, and now you're out of time because you didn't have the right trail. You weren't, it wasn't marked clearly. It's important what path. You know, seeing the right route um, clearly takes effort. 
You don't just walk out and just blindly arrive at the summit. No, to find the right path, you have to invest effort. There, it requires understanding. We rely on experience, our own experience or the experience of others. In 1 Peter 2, verse 21, Peter says, Christ also suffered for us, leaving an example that we should walk in His steps. As Christians, if we're going to ascend to the hill of the Lord, it's because we are in God's Word and, and we listen and we follow instructions and we're following the instructions that Christ led and left for us. You know, most of the world around us is on a broad path. It creates incredible confusion. You know, if you're hiking up a mountain and you, there are just hundreds of people all going different directions, it's hard to know, hey, I'm just going to follow this crowd. It looks like they're, they're prepared. It looks like they're, they're ready for this hike. How about going this way? And in the world, it's easy for us as Christians just to get our eyes on people going different paths. You know, there's the road to religion of religion where we trust church attendance or performance or religious rituals, and we know that's a dead end. But that's a path that many people are on, the road of religion. Many trust the path of their feelings. Hey, if it feels right, if my friends are doing, if it sounds good, if it's popular, then surely that's going to get me where I want to go. And many people that we know that we'd encounter in the world are just on a path following their feelings. And it sounds good. It sounds appealing. And it's very deceptive. Also on the broad path, there's the, road of, the roadway of works. You know, if my good works outweigh my bad works, then surely it'll work out in my favor. And you and I have heard people who say that. You know, I'm doing the best I can. Um, I try to help everyone I can. And they're counting on their works. Proverbs tells us there's a way that seemeth right unto a man. But the end thereof is a way of death. And the Scripture tells us the world is on a broad road that leads to destruction. You know, it's easy for us. In the course of a day to get lost spiritually. It's easy to do. And we can go to bed at night and, and plan and have the best intentions, how we're going to focus on God's Word. We're going to spend time in prayer. We have every intention to meditate. And then life gets busy and we get into our activity and there are demands of family and there are demands of a job and there are demands of our boss and there's, there are just pressing needs all around us. It's easy for us to quickly get off course and lose our way. But it requires a plan. We've got to have a path. If we're going to ascend to the hill of the Lord, it's because we've chosen a path. We're disciplined. We're, we're going to follow that path. And we're going to ascend. We have to make the right choices. We need to think clearly about the path we'll follow. Second, we need to think clearly about the people we'll follow. Christ has given us an example he, he's, walked in our, he's walked the same path that you and I are walking. He's been subject to the same temptations that we face. You know, if you're going to climb a mountain, it's important to get the right kind of instruction, the proper instruction. And for mountain climbers, the American Mountain Guides Association has a strict system of standards and qualifications. You want to know, if this is someone I'm going to have guide me on something that is treacherous, something that could hurt me, something where I could experience incredible um, exhilaration from the success of achievement, or, or I can um, waste all kinds of time, energy, and possibly injure myself, it all depends on who I follow who I listen to, whose instructions I've been receiving. Uh, for the Christian, we need guidance as well. Matthew, Paul, throughout the New Testament, warned us about guides that would mislead us. The Old Testament, full of warnings about blind guides, about those that would mislead us, those that um, would lead us astray if we aren't 
if we aren't listening, if we aren't following God's instruction, they're guides perfectly willing to lead us astray. If we had listened, the voices are loud, the voices are many, the voices are confusing, and they'll lead us astray if we allow them. When you're looking for a guide, how do you choose the person you'd follow? It's important to find a person that follows in Christ's footsteps, to find someone who's spiritual to follow, someone who you consider an example, someone you can look up to that can challenge you. Is a fruit, ask yourself the question is the fruit of the Spirit present in this person's life? Do they have love? Do they have joy? Do they have supernatural peace? Is this someone that ex expresses the fruit of the Spirit? Um, are they prepared to walk with the Lord and, and lead me and help me? Does their spirit, their attitude reflect Christ's likeness? And if we're to be a help to others, then we need to lead others to follow Christ. If we're going to look for someone that we would follow, are they a person that follows in Christ's footsteps? Are they an experienced climber? And does this person have a good relationship with the Lord? Uh, do they have a track record of walking with God? Have they succeeded? Have they been able to demonstrate grace and the daily difficulties of life? Is this someone who can help me walk with the Lord and not walk in the flesh? Are they an experienced climber? Do they know how to handle the rock slides, the avalanches, the things that you will face? A couple weeks ago, um, I was able to go on a trip with Ian, and we, we went skiing at something he enjoys doing. This was a, spe a special trip for us, a kind of a once-in-a-lifetime trip that we took, and we went skiing. And so um, we went to Keystone, Colorado, uh, just you know, popular, larger place, one that I've been to in the past and kind of familiar with. Um, but it was early season conditions, and I didn't know exactly what early season conditions meant. Now, if you're an experienced skier, if you have done a lot of skiing, you know. So I've, I've skied a lot, but not in early season. As a church, I've gone for years now with the church, and we go in um, the middle of February. It's a beautiful, wonderful time to go. It's not early season. Early season means, like in Colorado, they had a lot of snow early there in Keystone, but then because of the weeks and, and time that's passed without much snow, it's developed a crust. And you know, the whole time we were there, there were about 30 inches of snow, and I figured to do the things we wanted to do, we really needed about 60 inches of snow, about double what was there. Well, the 30 that was there has this crust on it that just pulls you down in. If you break through it, you're going down in. And Ian and I, each then together at different times, spent time in the woods just trying to get out and exhausting ourselves. There was one day um, I had dropped a pole off a ski lift. And I thought I would just ski down to it. I even talked to the um, lift operator at the top, who I'm pretty sure is the most um, personally injurious man I've ever met in my life, who said, oh, just tell the um, ski patrol that um, you were going down to get your ski. That's fine. Go on, you know, you can go get your pole. So Ian and I, we head back down this run, and I told Ian, hey, I'm going to have to break off. We had made a plan at the top. I was going to meet him at the bottom. I said, We're gonna, I'm going to have to break off from you and um, get over there because I don't know that I can get to this lift. And so I took off across through some trees, and that was my first real experience. Hour and a half later, soaked, completely soaked through everything I was wearing, I got back out of those woods. 
and um, met up with Ian finally. He had read the, rode the lift up and down looking for me, thinking he would see me under the lift getting retrieving this pole. No, I was stuck in the woods a long ways away from that pole. And unfortunately, a ski patrol eventually recovered my pole. My point being, It's important to know. It's important to gain experience. And I gained all kinds of experience about early season skiing that I didn't know anything about. I, I can tell you, avoid Keystone in December, but we're gonna encounter difficulty. Life is fraught with difficulty. It's important to follow people who are experienced. And then last thought here is, have they taught others successfully? If we're going to follow someone, if we're going to give them our attention and seek their guidance and, and lean on them for wisdom, have they taught others successfully? There's too much at stake in our Christian life to waste our opportunity with inexperienced guides. One of the great blessings of being a part of Eastland Baptist Church is the longevity that this church has represented. The leadership of Pastor Hardy over the years, the leadership of Pastor Durrell, the fellowship of so many faithful members here at Eastland. There's a lot of experience here. Um, there's a lot of longevity. There's a lot of people here who've taught others successfully over the years. There's so much gained if we think clearly about who will follow. Third thought, we need to think clearly about the procedures we follow. You know, you don't just wake up in the morning and decide, hey, I'm going to tackle a really difficult ascent. It doesn't happen that way. If it does, you don't get very far. Um, you won't achieve what you want and set out to accomplish. It's something you consider. It's something you commit to. It's something you begin planning and you put together procedures. You know, the Bible for us as Christians is full of procedures. It's full of practical advice. There's not a shortage of advice for us to meet the needs that we will face in our daily life. The Bible teaches us in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 33, it says to keep good company. It says, be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. Clear instruction. Easy to follow. Find people to spend time with that will help us to grow. Help us become the person we want to be, that God wants us to be. It's important to keep good company. The scripture gives us the procedure to listen to those that are older and wiser than us. In Proverbs, it's simple. Proverbs chapter 1, My son, hear the instruction of thy father. Forsake not the law of thy mother, for they are an ornament of grace about thy head and chains about thy neck. The Bible's just clear. We can learn from our elders. It's important for us to listen, to learn, to follow the procedure scriptures outline. Scriptures told us where to forgive. Our life as a Christian is to be about forgiving others. That's the procedure. That's the principle we're to follow. It's clear. We need to learn contentment. Paul teaches us to learn contentment. We're to control our tongue in James. We're to use our gifts. The list goes on. It requires focus. It's one thing to know the procedures. It's one thing to know, hey, if I'm going to accomplish this goal. If I'm going to ascend, it's because I dedicate myself to it. It's because I train. It's because I, I, I receive instruction from people that can help me. It's because I put together a plan and I have the right kind of equipment 
have the right kind of nourishment. It's one thing to do all that, to know all that. It's another completely different thing to do it. And that's what the challenge is here for us. If we're going to sin the hill of the Lord, it's, it's because we, that's where our heart is. And that's where we put our focus. And that's what we do. We follow those procedures. You think about Scripture. The Scriptures are full of examples. You think about Abraham. He was, a, he was someone God knew he could trust. God put great trust in, in Abraham. And Abraham, in turn, put great faith in God. But you look at Abraham's life and he was repeatedly distracted. He, he lost focus. You think about the worry that kept creeping up in Abraham's life. You think about it, he's going down into Egypt, he's going to Pharaoh and he tells his wife, hey, make sure and lie to Pharaoh. Tell Pharaoh you're my sister. He was overcome with worry. He lost focus. He, he, wasn't, um, he wasn't focused like he should. He was overcome with worry. He goes on, he, he's worried about God's promise to deliver a seed. And so he asked Hagar to deliver on God's promise. We have conflict today because of Abraham's lack of focus, his inability, his lapses that he dealt with. David, incredible lapses documented in Scripture. As a leader, he excelled. His public life, impeccable. A help um, to the entire nation. A hero for all of history. But in his private life and with his family, he, he had these terrible lapses and he failed miserably with his children. In so many different ways, he failed. It's, it's so well documented in Scripture. Peter, an amazing man. We, we've referenced Peter and made references. Brother Daniel talked about possibly preaching through and learning. There's so much to learn from Peter. But man, Peter, throughout the New Testament in, in the... In the um, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, in the Gospels, and you couldn't stop pulling his, stop talking long enough to pull his foot out of his mouth. He just had these incredible lapses. And for you and for me, it's important we understand focus isn't something we're going to be perfect at, but focus is something we have to quickly regain. We have to develop these principles. We have to have this as our passion, as our heart, and we have to be willing to focus our attention in such a way that we're able to ascend, that we're able to tackle the tough challenges, that we're able to grow ultimately in our relationship with the Lord. There's a documentary, Free Solo. Alex Hanel kind of details what it took for him to scale Al, Cap Al Capitan, Yosemite National Park. And in that movie, he details the years of planning. For him, it was a lifetime of planning of training, the way he charted in detail every part of that rock face, that granite face, how he tested just repeatedly each of his plans until he felt like he had the best plan and then practiced it so he could do it just really in his sleep and, and to be able to succeed at his goals. As Christians, we need to have the same passion and be willing to put forth that same kind of effort. If we would, we'll receive incredible blessings. The views, the rewards will be unbelievable, well beyond anything else that we could imagine. The clarity that it could produce in our walk with the Lord. What kind of view are you committed to? What kind of effort are you willing to put forth in order to ascend the hill of the Lord,
to dwell in His holy place. It's not for the weak, spiritually. It's not for the disinterested. It's for those that are focused. Those that have chosen the path. Those that have focused and learned from the right people and followed the right procedures outlined in God's Word. All of us can ascend. God wants to have a closer, growing relationship with every one of us. It's important for us to make the choice. And there's so much to be gained. There's so many blessings, so much beauty to enjoy. The question is, what kind of commitment do we have? What are you willing to give up? What are you willing to set aside? What are you, gonna, what are you willing to trade for the absolute best. Stand with me if you would this evening. We'll take a few moments just to consider God's Word. Consider these thoughts. Just to pray where you are there in your pew and just to spend a moment and just express the Lord your love for Him tonight. Express the Lord your commitment to Him. Express to the Lord your desire to ascend. The Lord wants to have a growing relationship with you. He wants to have a growing relationship with me. It's just determined by our commitment, by our willingness.